You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. I am Spencer Hall. We're going to talk about week eight of the college football season, as we do uh, on both SB Nation and EDSBS.com. To help me do that today, since uh, Ryan is uh, out foolishly doing other things, why he would do anything but podcast with us, I'll never understand. So we brought in a, a, I don't want to say substitute, substitute's a lesser word, I, I think. We brought in a partner, Jane Coaston. How you doing, Jane? I'm good. How are y'all doing? Uh, doing okay. Can you can you just explain to the readers real quick who the hammering panda is for the University of Michigan Wolverines? He is our vulture fullback who uh, never scored a touchdown until this year and now is, I think, one of like the top 10 scorers in the country, mostly because he comes in on the one-yard line and then just hammer hammering pandas his way into the end zone. God bless him. Yeah, perfect. The Hammer and Panda, my my second favorite Big Ten player behind Manberg. Manberg, a linebacker for the Illinois Illini, whose first name uh, is not Man. That's just what he prefers to be called. If you look up his roster, his roster spot on Illinois, his actual name is, uh, I, I believe, let's see, Peter Bailey Berg. He's Peter Bailey Berg. Peter Bailey Berg. Mm-hmm. But he goes by man. So man Berg. Do we know when he started going by man? I feel like that's a conversation I'd like to have. You like know, when do you decide that you're going to go by, like, no, my name is Peter Bailey because this is, it's a wonderful life. But I'm going to go by man because I can. I, I think he went by boy until when he was about 14 and uh, he got in one of those, like, fights in middle school where like no punches were thrown there's just some really good shoving and there was a crowd and everyone was really impressed and he said i'm a man now yeah that's uh, he's from sherman oaks california i don't think he experienced many bumps they probably had to label him man just as a, an affirm an affirmation right maybe like, there's only maybe there's like only like four people in the town there's like old man woman in sherman girl, oh, and, in, in, and, in, and him in sherman oaks no no, 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 no. I'm certain this was, if it was Sherman Oaks, this is probably some sort of therapist recommendation. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Spencer, are you a Sherman Oaks expert? Uh, I'm, I'm now appointing myself a Sherman Oaks expert. I'm sure this was a therapist affirmation saying, you know, if you're feeling less than confident, Peter, you should adopt a new name. One that you think projects strength. He said, I'm going to call myself right. man. Maybe this happened after some sort of like rebirthing process. 
Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of thing. This is some right. This is some California business. We'll be brutally corrected on this by at least three to maybe two Illini fans who actually know the story. So if you do, please correct us. Uh, Spencer at SBNation.com. You can even email me. I might read it. By the way, Khalid Hill. He's he's not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. Uh, Khalid Hill, the Hammer and Panda. Total number of carries on the season? Care care to guess? 13. I feel like it's 13? 13. How many of those were for touchdowns? Seven. Oh, that's... (laughs) For an oh, av- I can do that. For an average oh, of do that. average average per carry, one point six two yards. <laughs> po- points per carry. So his points per carry is what like three or four or something like that. <laughs> I I I don't think I'm going to see a more beautiful stat line ever. Ever. He's like a more efficient scorer than Steph Curry. I, yep. It, this is amazing. He's he's like if you look at Michigan. Right, the the total number of the total number of TDs that they've had rushing is twenty five. So he he's sitting there with what thirty percent of their total production. Yep. <laughs> Man, that's not a vulture. You're a condor. That's amazing. So beautiful, like the, the California condor. <laughs> the touchdown reaper. The touchdown, the touchdown reaper, Mister Thirty Percent over here. He's just a big grain combine, just rolling through the fields, I, scooping up touchdowns. I think he can go. Through Literally, the- this that sentence is the most beautiful thing Jim Harbaugh has heard yet today. And I'm sure something else happened that was like, oh, he had a fine glass of milk and a delicious breakfast steak, which again. I know I differ on this from many, but I really don't see what the big deal about combining a very large steak and a glass of milk is. That sounds great. Mm. Well, yeah, you, yeah, we, I'm not. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, all, 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 all opinions are good. So that's sure. that's a good opinion. You, you, you can do that. You should do that if you really want to. I, I think when your your team is is seven and zero or whatever, no one can stop you. Uh, no one can stop exactly. Cl- I think Khalid Hill just goes through the cafeteria, the feeding line, and just takes thirty percent of everyone's food. Just walks. And over. everyone's okay with it. That's fine. He's the hammer and panda. Let him have it. Mm-hmm. You, can you get seven TDs on a one point six two yards per carry average? I can't. Nope. The week ahead, week eight, we have so many things to discuss, and we're going to try to do them as quickly as possible. So week eight. Our, our big game, uh, the one that everyone is looking forward to, the one that is perhaps the biggest matchup thus far on the season in terms of a major team experiencing uh, a real test of their duties. I think you know what I'm talking about. That would be Michigan playing Illinois. Oh, I thought you were going to say EMU at WMU. Uh, I was going to talk about Maryland-Michigan State. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm glad we I bet all, you are. <laughs> I'm glad we. I'm glad we all had a joke, right? Like we're all like, like we all had one loaded up and ready to go for the play fake to Texas A&M Alabama when we said, "Ooh, this oh. is the most important game of the week." Oh, the game where one team is a 19-point underdog is the game that is the actual important one. Yeah, I no, I no. I mean, I know, but no. Yeah, it's like we'll watch it out of obligation. We'll watch all five hours of it. Right. I feel like Bama this year is just toying with us. Like, oh, 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 maybe this is the week we'll drop the one game that doesn't matter and you all get to experience like 48 hours of um, Bama not being perfect until you look up and we're number four and then we win, win out. I, but they just. They yeah, might not do and well. I'm just happy that this isn't that weird, like, remember that season when Alabama and LSU played twice, and every time you played Alabama, you they would get up, like, nine to nothing, and you'd be like, we got a chance, and then nothing would happen for the next four hours, and it was like watching a snake eat. Yeah. I'm really glad they score now. Like, I yeah. know it has to do with Lane Kiffin, but I'm glad they score now. Like, just score. That's all I ask. They do that now, and they do that... In all three phases of the game, their defense has more TDs than some offenses. 
And I, I think you can actually say not just South Carolina. Whenever you make a dire offensive comparison, the, the baseline, the bottom, is always South Carolina. No, no, of, you can throw the reigning Pac-12 champion in there as well. You, 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 oh, poor Stanford. I didn't say that out loud. Stanford's fine. That's they're, they're, Ryan's not here. We can say whatever we want. Not that he does a very good job of defending them anyway. That's true. As the internet's number one Stanford fan. That's okay. Stanford doesn't do a very good job of defending themselves either. So that's, that's I mean, they're fine. basically, they're like, they're Northwestern, but if Northwestern was three hours late. slow slow northwestern (laughs) slow slow northwestern as a medill grad i really appreciate that comment i i think this is the is north extremely western this is the year when i think alabama playing texas a&m decides to make little bets with itself like today we only score on special teams guys and we'll still win by 21 or maybe we just try to score on defense just place hold. Everybody else, just place hold. We'll just let the defense score 35 points all by itself. They're kind of at that stage. Well, this is like uh, when Michigan played Rutgers, and they put in their backup, backup, backups, and just ran a dive every play and still kept scoring. Like, at that point, it's not your fault. Like, if you can't stop that, that's not on us. Yeah, because this entire week has been one of those exercises in football speculative fiction where you come up with ways Texas A&M could beat Alabama. And the only way that they're going to beat Alabama is if we've been wrong about everybody that Alabama's played thus far. Because thus far, everyone they've played appears to be a normal football team. They appear to be about as good as we thought they were. And they've absolutely destroyed everyone in their path. However... Well, okay, okay, hang on, hang on. Let's back up a little bit. Sure. I would not say that Tennessee is a normal football team. No, they're a burn ward, right? We've... I'm just saying, like, when you hire Mike Sabor to do stuff, you've already, like, you signed, you signed a pack that you can't unsign. And, I, like, that Ole Miss game got close, so hypothetically something could happen. Maybe. I would, I would say this. If you wanted to make the argument that maybe they haven't played who we thought they played thus far, the game that to me would indicate maybe Alabama isn't as good as I thought they were would be at Old Miss. Because Old Miss, I know they're volatile, but Alabama, 48-43, that score is deceptive. They were up by more than that. They gave up a trash TD at the end. But they lost control for a lot of that game. They also lost control toward the end of the Arkansas game, admittedly, after they were up by a big, fat margin. But this is a team that, you know, you can do that to. They're not an anaconda. Unfortunately, they can also strike and just get 21 points in a bunch super fast. So this is sick. I'm talking myself into it. I'm talking myself into watching all five hours and now playing the CBS, the SEC on CBS theme during ultra marathons because well, that's, like, that's this what it feels one, like <laughs> this is one of those games where it's like okay okay one team is way better the other team is good and um it, it's good at these specific things and sure 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 it's not excellent against the run and you're gonna have to be excellent against the run to beat bama and all this stuff but it really comes down to if it's one of those games that just get real weird bama accidentally you know ha- happens to turn the ball over four times or whatever the other team can win which that goes for every football game that's ever been played if one team just completely has everything go against it it's probably going to lose it you know it, therefore all we're saying is um the game hasn't been played yet you know <laughs> that, that's it that's your hope alabama they haven't played a game yet <laughs> Al- alabama you haven't lost to them at this point. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, uh, other games that you're sort of looking at, because we pretty much agree, Alabama's Alabama's probably taking this one, and it probably won't be very cool in the fourth quarter. Other games uh, of, of interest this week, I have sort of a niche game, so I'm going to hold it. L- let's do big name. Big name, large brand games that, that you're looking Did- at and go, oh, hey. It's it's the all three of the um, of the ranked games this weekend are SEC West games, um, Arkansas Auburn being the next in the rankings. Yes, Arkansas and Auburn are both fairly high in the rankings in mid October of tw- of twenty sixteen. Well, we can do um, we and, can do something about that. Let's have them play and, each other. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll 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 solve one of these issues. Um, but if you're looking for a team that plays like 2011 Nick Saban football, that's going to score about 20 points, that's going to give up about 15, um, and is not going to be a whole lot of fun to watch, that has an awesome defensive line, um, you're going to want to watch Gus Malzahn's Auburn Tigers because every team <laughs> in the SEC West has hit random and shuffled their identities completely. Arkansas, they're going to they're gonna try and score about 50 points. Arkansas wants to get into a shootout, a, a traditional Brett Bielema team. They just want to get into a shootout. Um, Texas A&M, they want to run the ball and play pretty good defense. Uh, Mississippi State, um, well, they're playing UMass, and that's, 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 that's a pretty fair match for them. But well, let's, just, hope, I, let's hope they make it out <laughs> of that game. Let's hope. Let's hope they make it back without their coach saying, hey, hey, can I hit your ride back to Massachusetts? <laughs> I need it. Help. But uh, but Arkansas, Auburn, yeah, like one team wants to score a lot, one team wants to score nothing at all, and those teams are the opposite of what they should be. Well, I, I think the the big game I'm personally look, looking forward to is uh, in the great city of Iowa City, where Iowa and Wisconsin will be playing their annual ham off. I don't. I, last year it was ten to six, and it was the most ten to six game you've ever seen in your entire life. I just. It's going to be like six to three, and there's going to be a blocked punt. And then whoever's going to pick up the blocked punt is going to be like a defensive lineman who can't run very fast. And there'll just be this train of linemen running, running as fast as they can, which isn't very fast. And I can't wait. That game's <laughs> going to take six hours. It's going to be great. I, there's, you know, there's a number of games on the schedule that I look at and go, you know, that's going to be fun. I, I think like, like there's a lot, of, a lot of unranked teams playing each other fairly decent records where you're going to get a lot of sort of chaotic festivity. I, I think that starts tonight. You get uh, Miami at Virginia tech. So, Oh Lord, we get Boise state BYU, bro. That's mm-hmm. the, that's oh. just about Ooh. the most chaos game possible. I think the only thing that could top that would be like Indiana, Arkansas, but yeah, yeah, that would be, I mean, in, Indiana is playing Northwestern this week, which could turn into a 55, 52 kind of game. Oh, also gee. tomorrow night, there's a Oregon cow. I, I know where you're going. The... <laughs> that, that, that's not even chaos. That's just there will be 200 points. We have to Ooh. we have to check these boxes. We have to get to 200 before we can go to sleep. Let's let's just get there quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a there's a real chance that game just that game starts at 10:30 Eastern and uh, by 10:45 there will have been 30 points scored. <laughs> I do. I think you've got a really like it's it's weird that entire. Friday night is just a spectrum and it it ends with freewheeling defense free football. It kind of hits in the middle with San Jose State and San Diego State. But then at the Don't beginning, like- you get South Florida at Temple, which is going to be a, you know, slobber knocking defense first run the ball of a game. I don't know what that word is, but it definitely describes what this game's going to that, be. Well, just drop in the Alex Jones vine again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It's the Alex Jones vine yeah. of games. I also really am looking forward to uh, watching Memphis and Navy. That was the one I'd, I'd bookmarked on 3.30 on Saturday. Because Memphis, I don't really know. I mean, they've been good. They've been consistent. Uh, they're about to face a really mean Navy team, one that beat Houston, uh, one that you don't want to drag any further into a game than you have to, because the longer you go, the more confusing pick A, B, or C gets. That's how the triple option works. And they happen to run it real, real well. And it's also at Navy, which is where Houston lost. So, that's another game where I would kind of want to, you know, keep an eye on it and say, okay, here's your health check for Memphis. And otherwise, very entertaining and potent team doing just fine in year one again under Jay Norvell. This is a very difficult road trip for them. Also, they're they're facing the triple option team, which again, this is why Purdue should go triple option because every week when you, <laughs> this is why every week when you face a triple option team, you roll through the calendar and you're like, oh hell, oh god damn it, damn it. This is yeah, this is what I said because I mean all Purdue should want is for when you know that you've got Purdue coming, every head coach goes, shit. <laughs> yeah. And not just the ones who have to play in West Lafayette. Ugh, yeah. 
another game I'm looking forward to is uh, NC State Louisville, which is at yeah. noon and could get like NC State's just I don't get it. They're four and two. They're good, but they're not good. But they're good, but they're not good. Jamie. NC State's pretty good. Uh, yeah. There's it. You you know they had a really close loss to ECU. That was a coin flip. Right. And they right. should have been against Clemson. Clemson. Oh yeah. But then uh, I mean NC I respect State should anybody. probably be six and zero oh right now. Right. And I respect anyone who's willing to like get into a trash fire with Notre Dame and come out alive. But uh, and Louisville's good. I think Louisville has like that Duke game last week. I think Louisville's got some issues. I don't know. This game just like noon game. It could get. It's one of those games. Either Louisville's going to win by like thirty-five, or that game's going to be like seventeen, seventeen for thirty minutes. It, by the way, going back to NC State, the thing that I would say, like, if you wanted to just capture them, I think they're just a really smart, very well positioned, very well coached team. Now, I say well positioned and well coached. I don't think they're that talented, but if you look. They're a top 20, 25 S&P team in Bill C's rankings. They are a, an obstructive team, and they do not – like, watch how they're coached. They don't attempt to do anything they can't do. They don't. They, they, play, they play defense to their strengths. They, they're offensively, they're just kind of going to take what's there. They call a lot of screens. They do a lot of sneaky little run plays. Like they remind me a lot of a of like Jim Grobe's best Wake Forest teams who said, "Okay, listen, <laughs> we, we know we know we can't win this game outright, but what we're going to do is suck on your face and hope you suffocate, <laughs> right? We're just gonna like you don't punch someone in the balls in a bar fight. We're going to punch you in the balls in a bar fight. That's our only shot." Well, they're they're. There is one thing they attempt that they're not good at. Uh, and that, <laughs> that, that is the field goal. An ACC, um, an ACC team who can't hit threes. Come on. Come on, NC State. Oh, oh. I did it. The funny thing about, especially about NC State, is after Louisville, they've got Boston College, Florida State at home, uh, Syracuse, Miami, and North Carolina. And there is a not insignificant chance they could win all of these games including perhaps beating Louisville, which would sure. be weird. Sure. And, yeah, but uh, this, also relates to my, this also relates to my theory that Florida State is secretly awful. Secretly awful. Yeah, this is, by the way, the point in the Florida State life cycle of a season where everyone begins complaining about Jimbo Fisher's inability to develop talent. That's, that's where they're at, in case you wondered. And the Florida State fan... Cycle of life in a season where they are not undefeated. Whew, that's where we're at. Is Jimbo Fisher can't develop talent? Yeah, as as um, yeah, as as has been demonstrated on the field uh, with, over with, the past. Should we talk about Ohio State, Penn State at all? Uh, the, I'd, I'd the, defer to our Midwestern correspondent on this. Okay, so the thing with Penn State, Ohio State, is that obviously Ohio State going to win that game but it's a night game in happy valley so there's going to be like the first 20 minutes are going to make the game look really competitive and then i'm going to start watching those first 20 minutes and then i'm stuck there for the next five hours of my life Mm -hmm. because this will just be like because especially i think after last week with ohio state looking vulnerable against wisconsin everyone seemingly forgetting that wisconsin's really good but that will mean that everyone will start thinking that maybe Penn State can pull this off. Forgetting that Penn State, like, they're not as bad as they've looked. I mean, they're four and two. But they're not, they're not, they're not Ohio State good. They're not, like, Ohio- they're, they're, they're going to need, no. they would need two straight bad games from Ohio State because Ohio State played, all right, they played a bad first half against right. Wisconsin, right? And JT Barrett, right. I, I still maintain JT Barrett is like the best bad ball hitter. Like he is, he, I, he, I like him a lot at quarterback because uh, he's capable of having a really good bad game. Like he had kind of a really good bad game against Penn State for, or against Wisconsin for a while and still came out throwing in the end and won. And that's that's kind of what I, like this could be a blueprint like for for what Ohio State does, especially on the road. 
that's that's they're fine with winning games like that. Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, this could again be the kind of Big Ten game where it looks like it's going to be like where the final score does not really dictate what the actual margin of victory was. Yeah. Like the final score could be 17 to 10, but Penn State will have turned over the ball like eight times. Yeah, definitely. I could totally see that. I could also see this being. Uh, the kind of game where James Franklin loses it by wide margins and suddenly we're all having that conversation that we love to have about Penn State, which is who on earth will ever have this job with any security ever again? Oh, good Lord. Uh, that No, I don't. I honestly think that like being Penn State's head coach should be something that like you have, you have to just stay there. You can't do anything else. Like, it's like you can't like abdicate the throne. That's not no, no. You you wanted this job, you stay there. I have a couple of other games games of intrigue to look at. Uh, first of all, Missouri, they're two and four. Uh, why would we talk about them at all? Well, we really wouldn't. Save for this, Middle Tennessee plays at Missouri. Uh, Middle Tennessee's four and two. They're pretty good. If you want to laugh at the SEC, oh, I'm just going to point you in that direction. Because uh, Mizzou could easily lose to the Blue Raiders. This is the uh, this is the it just means more game of the weekend. It is all you need to do. Screen cap that lady from the it means more with her southern living looking ass, and just just flash her right there. Just point like cut and paste that picture. Send it to Mizzou football. Care of me. So uh, another game of interest, which is something like I feel as if I both want to talk about this game for the next like say hour. And also never speak of it again. TCU at West Virginia. Woo, hell yeah. Like, I don't, I, I'm, it's interesting. I've, I was uh, listening to uh, the Solid Verbal earlier uh, yesterday, and they were discussing this game a little bit. I'm just like, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by this because TCU, the last time we saw them, they beat Kansas on, I believe Kansas missed a field goal. One point. That is a one yes. point game. And you've got a yeah, yeah. West Virginia is five and zero. Oh. West Virginia is they're salty and weird, and I like them. So this, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in this game. I, I fully expect. I don't. I'm not sure what uh, the over under is right now, but uh, I fully expect some sort of weird, either like a weird shootout or something in which it's like fifty to twelve. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> this, has, this has a safety. There's a safety in here. I don't know where it is, but there's a safety in here. But, like, I, I like this West Virginia team. I do, too. I like, you know, if you list the quarterbacks, I, I, this is one of my favorite topics, are quarterbacks who are currently seeing the Matrix, i.e. quarterbacks who can smell time, quarterbacks who are so well enmeshed in their system at this point that they're making decisions almost effortlessly. You can see it on the field. It's this beautiful thing happening. Um, right now, Skylar Howard's one of those, and it's taken him a long time to get there, and that's cool to see. Like I love, like you can kind of see how that's addictive for for coaches, right? If they can get somebody to that point, because Skylar Howard right now is in complete command of that offense. Patrick Mahomes, for all the troubles that Texas Tech has had, if you watch him play, he's very much in the same spot. Brett Rippon at Boise State um, has at times been, you know, effortless. Um, Chad Kelly's not. I just like saying the name Chad Kelly because, my God, he's fun to watch. Luke Falk at Washington State, when he's upright, is is almost there as well. Just people who really understand what they're doing right now. So if you want to see that, watch West Virginia. If you want to see good defense, also watch West Virginia because um, they were pretty good leading into the Texas Tech game, and they had a brilliant game against Texas Tech. I don't think they're that good. I think the Texas Tech game was probably playing a little bit over their heads, and you'll see like a regression to the mean in the next couple of weeks, but they're pretty good. Hey, real quick. Um, I got to go. This is y'all's show now. So, um, yeah. Okay. We'll do a very good job, I know. I know. We'll be great. Uh, bye, Mac. Bye, will Coach, be. bye, Coach Mac. I, I got ah. I to I catch a flight. <laughs> I got to get out of here. You, you take this, Adam. It'll be a fine broadcast. Jane, it's just you and me now. It is. Well, so, uh, does that mean that I can bring up a game that you shouldn't watch, but I will be watching because it could get weird? That's all we do on this podcast. 
you, you shouldn't watch this game. Like, it's really like, this is about to be like, this is like deep, deep, deep cut Big Ten. And I feel like you should not, no one else should do this. Mm, the, the richest of summer sausages. Mm. So uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend this. I shouldn't. This is like, this is like the weird moonshine that maybe was used to like remove paint and you sh- might make you go blind. But uh, Purdue, Nebraska. Yeah, last year, last year, Purdue, Nebraska, Purdue beat Nebraska 55 to 45. Well, they they lost the captain who made that magic happen, though. Darryl. I'm just saying you don't. I'm just saying that same person got all these people. Nebraska is ranked in the top 10 for the first time in what, 600 years, something like that. I'm just saying that, like, there is a real chance that this game could get, like, minorly interesting. I'm just saying. Okay. It could happen. All right, it has well, happened before. If you do, let me know, and I'll let the rest of the internet know, because I think it should go through a proxy. I don't think we, I, I don't think we should directly expose people to this. I think they should watch it like an eclipse, reflected, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, it, this might be something, like, if you, like, put your TV on and then turn around and watch in the window, I think that sounds safe. That's, I appreciate your bravery in watching this for the rest of us. I would point towards something I know will be entertaining, which would be at 10 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, Pac-12 After Dark has been lit this year, as the kids uh-huh. say. It's been good. And Washington State at Arizona State. Uh, Washington State playing some mean football. Arizona State also playing pretty well um yeah yeah this is four and two versus five and two and this is wow it means and anything that winds up on the pac-12 network which by the way i don't get uh but i do get the big 10 network because i don't know why uh, yeah because, that, because that game's gonna get weird because maryland is washington dc's college football program that's why that's why you get the i big didn't 10. I did. I didn't sign anything. I did. I That's, didn't. Nope, they just, I didn't. They just pipe it right in. Just all that B one G. No, 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 no. Is this this is what that taxation without representation thing means? This is this is how this happens. <laughs> Colorado Stanford too. Don't forget at three p.m. That's a nooner out on the West Coast. Colorado. Yeah, they're the ones we thought would be three and one in the Pac twelve and five and two. They have a chance to take down. Uh, they have a chance to chop down a tree or two, which I desperately hope oh, they, they do. I, they, I real, I think they. Colorado is like, I, I, I started. I tried to start rumors that they were going to wind up going like eleven and one, and then they lost to USC. But you know, eleven and two or ten and two, that's still fine. But uh, yeah, no, because Stanford looks, like I said, they're like late Northwestern and uh, Colorado. They're they're extremely frisky, especially in that first in the first quarter. Yeah, like they're and not, they're, Stanford they're, has. They're still not deep enough. Like they're not no. quite, they're not quite there to put together four quarters of dominant football. Though again, I'm fond of citing these. Uh, who do you think has the higher S and P, like overall efficiency? Okay, like like mm-hmm. I, I I will just name, I, I will name teams that have a lower efficiency than than Colorado. Okay. Okay. Actually, let's play it this way: higher or lower? I didn't explain it very well, but you tell me. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, West Virginia, who you like? Lower. That's correct. They they are lower. Um, what about Miami, Florida? Oh, uh, um, lower. They're higher, actually. I, Wait, I was I was oh. very I was surprised by that. Like very surprised. Really? How about how about Stanford? Is that going to be also secretly higher? No, it's lower. And um, I mean lower. Um, I mean lower by like, like twenty spots. Like an amazing. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, they're yeah, actually. Colorado is nineteenth overall. Like they are, they're a really efficient team. Right. Like, like they are. Right. I mean, they have to be essentially, yeah. like you were saying, because of depth issues. But that's the thing with, and it's, it's perfect if you're playing Stanford because, like. If Colorado gets up to like a twenty-one nothing lead, there is nothing Stanford has done in the last month that shows me they have any way of responding to that. 
turtle. Yeah, they when they get down, they are a turtle on their back. You do not like that's yeah. That's that's it. That's pretty much it. Like there's like and especially you know when you've got perhaps like a like William F. Buckley esque conservative offense. That's not good for Colorado. That or for playing Colorado, like Colorado will jump out on you on something stupid, like a blocked punt or like a turnover or something like that, and there's nothing Stanford can do about it. Yeah, and also Cephalofal, my pro, my favorite quarterback, my personal Heisman, Cephalofal for everything he's been through, for being for being a Polynesian quarterback, uh, playing in the middle of the Rockies, for being the figurehead at the revival of the sighting of the white buffalo indicating the return to greatness for the Buffalo Nation as a whole. Yes, for Colorado's return to greatness, which nobody in Colorado will really care about because nobody in Colorado cares about anything, but that's fine. I get to care about it, and I'm the protagonist of reality, and that's what matters most here. Do you want to answer some reader you want to answer some reader questions, Jane? I do. Let's see. You know, you cover politics for mtv.com apparently that's what i do yeah uh so we'll take this question from at chris f jensen which we have an actual answer to uh name the sec coach most likely to be a democrat space saban question mark no no saban eats iceberg lettuce and he thinks it's food he's not a democrat that's Mm. no Mm. that's never happened Mm. i'm about to throw you a curveball has donated politically to Joe Manchin, is an old, I believe, West Virginia Blue Dog Democrat. Uh, yeah. I uh, yeah, you couldn't have known that, but but that is actually the case. So, uh, granted, I, I, granted, granted, Joe Manchin himself, you know, when we're, we're talking Democrat, let's just remember that Blue Dogs and Joe Manchin, when we talk about Democrats and we talk about what that means, Typically, that's not really what you think of. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. West Virginia is a little bit of a weird case, right? Yeah. But yeah, I believe I believe Nick Saban would be a registered Democrat. Everybody else, they're all Republicans. They make yeah. too, they make too much money and come from the wrong places to be anything but Republicans. So we'll just no, assume... no, 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 no. I mean, Brett Bielema has some like that is a Gary Johnson voter if I've ever seen one. <laughs> I don't need police. Like. I'll be fine. Like, Brett Bielema believes strong, like, he is a libertarian to the extent that I feel like he probably goes to conferences or has, like, I don't know, he gets mail from, like, the Cato Institute about stuff. I think like, he's, I, I think, don't know if anyone has asked him about, like, the militarization of police or America's foreign policy, but someone should. I think half of all people who become libertarian are guys who grill and it's for this reason. One day they're over the grill and they're like, I can cook my own food. I'm a libertarian. That's it. That's, yeah. that's yeah. the leap. From Tyler Roberts at the real Tyrob on Twitter.com. Coworker discovered I like college football and now won't stop talking about the Buckeyes. Please help. I chose this one intentionally. Jane is a Michigan grad. Um, unlike me, I'm just Michigan branded. Via, yep. via a tattoo on my shoulder. How can we uh, get him to stop talking about the Buckeyes? You being an expert on this. I mean, generally when this happens, I just start referencing Tim Biakabatuka a lot. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if this is like an OG enough Buckeye fan, that tends to make them extremely uncomfortable for some odd reason. I can't really think of why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it could be. But, uh... I don't know. Like, I think that in that in that case, generally, if you're that close to someone who is a strong supporter of the Ohio State Buckeyes, perhaps that place of employment might be too close to like some sort of hmm. How best to put this? Waste facility of some sort. So perhaps look into a separate revenue streams if necessary. The the other way that you might w- would saying that you're a Michigan fan encourage or discourage this talk. Uh, I think it would encourage it, okay. but it also would imply that at some point the person who would be saying this sort of thing would be 
let's just say, um, hmm, inferior of yours. Let's put it that way. I would just say that you're a Nebraska fan, so they just go, what? Just say right. some someplace they don't understand, right? Like, right. I'm, a, I'm a Purdue fan. They'll go, ugh, and then we'll talk to you. So do yeah. that. Just say you're a Purdue fan. The sadness will, by proxy, push them away. This is a question for or, or you could just or you could just discuss Maryland basketball in extreme detail. Ooh, that's a good call too. No one understands Maryland, so yeah, do yeah. that. Just say you're a Terps fan. From yep. at Gessobra, somebody. It's a hell of a screen name. Somebody. Which college football fan base are these Chick-fil-A chicken for breakfast isn't weird ads for? I asked this one strictly for me so I can yell about it. You mind if I do that, Jane? Go right ahead. No one has ever doubted chicken for breakfast. Stop it. No. This is stupid. This isn't even one of those counterintuitively brilliant ad campaigns where I just get upset because the thing that you said is so preposterous. No, no one cares. No one has ever doubted this. You get chicken for breakfast, somebody hands it to you, it's delicious. No one in the world has ever doubted chicken for breakfast. You know, like the world's religions, they they ban different kinds of meat. It happens. There's a few that are vegetarian, but sure. Otherwise, everyone else agrees. Chicken's fair game. It's the perfect food. And nobody's ever doubted it for breakfast. So stop saying that. Stop saying that historically this was a revolutionary idea. When you hand also, some- don't bring Amelia Earhart into this. Amelia Earhart had a lot more going on than worrying about chicken. I mean, like, she, she might have worried a little bit about chicken. Well, you know, when she was marooned in an island, perhaps. But I'm just saying that, like, Alexander Graham Bell and Amelia Earhart should not have to be brought into this shit. Like, if you want to have chicken for breakfast, go right ahead. That's the thing about breakfast. You can, no one is telling you what to do. You can have whatever you want for breakfast. That's the secret of life is technically you can do whatever you want. You have to deal with the consequences, but you can do whatever you want. If you want to have chicken for breakfast, if you want to actually have breakfast with a chicken, you can do it. If you want No ha- one cares. Yeah. I mean, if that's, if that's your thing, Amelia Earhart, for instance, right? Um, mm-hmm. she, she had this deal where she wrote her husband right before they got married and said, Hey, listen, you know, cool, we can get married and everything, because I know that's what you're supposed to do, but um, I'm going to have side dudes. And, yeah. yeah, you can do that, right? You yeah. know, that was like a revolutionary sort of position for someone at the time, right? And Amelia Earhart just went, yeah, that's cool. She probably had to think about that a little bit, how she was supposed to say it, so she had to put it in a letter. Do you know how Amelia Earhart would have supported chicken for breakfast? She would have said, please give me chicken for breakfast. This has been yeah. easy. I, I don't understand. I don't understand ad campaigns that presume that eating a food or having a drink would be at any time, in m- most cases, controversial. Stop trying to be edgy. Also, chick- stop trying to be edgy. Chick-fil-A. Like it's, no, no, no. I mean, what? Okay, what is is Chick Fil A the least edgy food? Like they're not open on Sundays. What? That that is not edge. That's like flat surface. Let me come in your restaurant six days a week. All right. Greet me with an enthusiasm and a, a real gleam in your eye, bordering on the cult-like. Ask me if I want jelly for a biscuit, even though it has meat on it, because somebody out there puts jelly on their chicken biscuit. I don't understand it, but I appreciate you and the freedom you represent, okay? Take me, try to upsell me on getting cheese, I'll politely decline, and you'll be cool about it, because you're in the cult, and you'll say it was a pleasure serving you, and I'll doubt it, but I kind of won't. That's the whole Chick-fil-A experience. Quit saying is. this is like something uh, that, that I shouldn't support. Right. I don't get it. I don't understand. Okay, I've yelled about that enough. We have another question. One more to, clo- one more to close out the program. Uh, I'm going to take this from uh, at BOS Chicago. Godfather BOS. For once and all, please be honest and tell us which college football team the media hates. Hmm. Now this answer this hmm. this answer changes year to year. You should know that, and it's mostly right. circumstantial. I have a pretty good answer for this year, and it's Baylor. Oh yeah. And this is. I think what, that the, There's a lot of reasons. Yeah, I, I think that. Uh, I mean, there are multitude of reasons, and right now, I think it's. I've really enjoyed how uh, 
college football television programs have tried to talk about Baylor without talking about Baylor. But yeah. Right now, Baylor is like, they're 6-0 and and they're first in the Big 12. And their remaining schedule looks kind of nice. Like, their toughest game, their toughest two games might be Oklahoma and at, like, at Oklahoma and at West Virginia. And yet, no one wants to discuss it at all. Yeah, because nobody really knows what they can put their uh, their toe on. Nobody knows no. what where they can step to even begin discussing Baylor. Right. Because uh, some of those coaches are still on the staff. Right. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's interesting because it's kind it's a, somehow it feels different from when the whole when Penn State when that scandal broke because somehow Penn State got to be this like it got to be like a story of redemption for no reason at all absolutely none it shouldn't have been but somehow it got to be and then their coach went to go coach in the NFL for some unknown godforsaken reason and Penn State actually had to come to terms with the fact that they had no scholarships and would be kind of bad for a while. But Baylor, like, I feel as if we're dealing with Baylor by just simply pretending that Baylor does not exist. That is the official stance of everyone. Because if you want to address them, very few people can make this abstraction. Very few people could have the discussion where they say, we would like to just discuss them absolutely as a football team. I can't. You know why? That's no. awkward because of the heinous thing that happened, right? Right. And also because we know this happened, and it's all likely that this happened. There are so few and details because it's a private university and because that report's not public. So we can't right. even have, and like, we know, a, and, Go ahead. And we know that that report and whatever is in it is probably way worse than whatever we're thinking. Like, whatever it is, it's worse. Yeah. Like you don't get rid of that many people that quickly. With if it's not, eh, I would say two to three times as bad as whatever it is you think it is. Yeah, so you can't even begin to have the division of just talking football between the facts of the situation because those two things are so divorced in this instance, right? Like they you or they're not divorced. You can't even begin. To have, okay, well, here's the football side, and then here's the administrative side. No, because we've never actually had a public disclosure, right? We just know it was real bad. Like, whatever happened down to the details was real bad. We're pretty sure what happened. We don't know who did it. We don't know what the timeline was. And it's so hard to discuss in any direction, which is why Baylor has just been... It's just, I think people just labeled it radioactive and hope they're going to drop a game. That's yep. because no one can even begin to figure out how to discuss it, much less like on game day, right? Like game uh, day, game day, I'll be like, Baylor! And you hear everybody go, <laughs> I mean, if, if there's a group of people less qualified to discuss what happened at Baylor, it is the people at college game day. Like, I just, I have this horrible, horrible feeling that we're going to get some sort of like, like, let's say Baylor, like, closes out their season and is undefeated. And we get some game date, like, or before that game on December 3rd, like at West Virginia, and we get some, like, Tom Rinaldi segment about what happened. The moment when it switches from Tom Rinaldi back to that desk will be the most awkward moment in television history. Just get Des Howard dropping the mic, walking off. Uh, uh, I mean, I would hope so. Like, that would just, it would, uh Part of me now kind of wants this to happen, and part of me definitely does. I don't want that to happen. That sounds terrible. Uh, yeah, I really... Please please lose a game, Baylor. Please. <laughs> please. Please lose a game. Please publish a report so you can at least begin a public discussion of this that doesn't start with, where on earth do we start? Right. Right. Because this is like... It, it's so like there's a football season going on. That's the weirdest part of this all. That Right. That there's a football season going on, so discussing something as horrible as what happened is always attached to this really trivial thing of, well, there's a football season going on. Who cares? And it just keeps like it just keeps entering into that football season in ways that I find just concerning. For instance, when the current interim head coach 
tried to say that he didn't know what Sean Oakman looked like. Yeah. That, um, Which that's bad. I mean, that's bad if it's true or false, right? Because yeah, if it's false, it's you're concerning. just if it's false, you're just yeah, lying. Right. And if it's true, have you seen? I mean, I would recognize Sean Oakman from I would say an estimated like five hundred to a thousand feet. Like most people don't look like Sean Oakman. Yeah, like, and- I'm just saying. Like, but it was interesting because that seemed to like that happened at like the end of a game that people were trying to discuss as it was just a game, and then this happened, and it's like, oh, that thing that we all agreed not to talk about. Yeah, that's yeah, Baylor. God damn, it. God damn it, Baylor. We should take we should take one more just to sort of right get the, Baylor, the get the Baylor out of our brains. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see, one more question. Just one more. One more for the road. Yeah, I'm picking this live. Y'all are going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I got it. Is anybody going... Well, no, no, no. We've talked too much B1G. We can't do that here. Yep. Ah! Yeah, let's go with this. We don't answer coach questions much because they're kind of tired. But I do want to answer this one because you're on the phone. Which coach would be scarier to drink with, P.J. Fleck, Jim Harbaugh, or Paul Johnson? Which coach would be what? Scarier to drink with, P.J. Fleck, Jim Harbaugh, or Paul Johnson? I feel like P.J. Fleck would be the kind of person who gets drunk and wants you to do stuff. Like, it's like, come on, come on, let's go, let's go run. Let's get, just go, just, just run. Just see how fast we can all run. And then you like wake up the next morning and you're bruised and you probably have like a broken finger and you have no memory of how it happened. Mm-hmm. I think I would actually be most afraid to drink with Jim Harbaugh because I feel as if his alcohol tolerance is just like, like, the, you know, when like, a, like the graph approaches, like, like it is immeasurable and nothing would happen. Nothing about him would change. Mm-hmm. He would just keep like, he was just, like he would disprove like laws of physics with how much of any liquid he could consume without anything happening or going wrong. So you would drink and he would drink and you would drink the same amount and you would be dead and he would just sit there and watch you and note that you appear to have not been drinking with the enthusiasm unknown to mankind and maybe dead now. Okay. You know, and Paul Johnson, I just feel like he would just get real drunk real fast. Oh, oh, see, again, I've cheated you by having prior knowledge. Uh, y- you don't want to drink with Paul Johnson. I mean, I don't know if I want to drink with any of these people. I'm just saying, like, which one would be scariest would be Jim Harbaugh just sitting there staring at you while you became incoherent and nothing about him changed at all. I could see that. I still think Paul Johnson's scarier because I think he's the one who can do the Ron Swanson moonshine twirl, right? Where you drink it on your arm and you drain the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's from like Western North Carolina. Like he probably had shine in his bottle, right? Get that, hush that baby up. You give him some shine. Yeah. Paul, Paul Johnson. You don't want, you you want none because the trip, the triple option there is, is drink, pass out or hospital. That's my guess. Right. We'll end there.